want to tell you, if you get going, somebody has to come and tackle me or something in order for me to stop skating, because otherwise i just continue forever. And so I didn't know what to do when I got on the ice, and so I slipped and I fell and uh, hurt myself. And I, I'm on the way back, uh, th- definitely doing better than I was 10 days ago or 12 days ago. But I wanted to, I hadn't told, I told some of you, but not all of you, that one of the things that happened when, when I, when I slipped on the ice and I fell, you know, immediately the wind was knocked out of me. And so I was, I did this whimpering thing that people do when they get the wind knocked out of them. You've probably heard that where people go, or something similar. And that's about what I did. And I, I, I said to myself, don't panic. This will go away. So you don't have to worry about it. And so I, I didn't panic. I knew that, that I'd get my breath back eventually, and I did. So then I, I kind of sat up in the grass. There was a big puddle in the sidewalk that I had tried to avoid. That's how I slipped and fell, was that I tried to go up in the grass and miss this puddle. And so I hit the, the ice in the grass and then slipped on it and then came down on it hard and did the damage. So I was just sitting in the grass for a moment, and I, and I, and I was in a lot of pain, obviously. And I thought to myself, I wonder if anybody saw this. Like... You know, did somebody driving by in a car, are they going to stop and help me because I'm obviously hurt? Or is there someone nearby who who had seen me fall? And so I looked to my left, and here was an, an older gentleman coming down the sidewalk. And when I say older, I mean he was probably 60 or something like that, which is older than me. So older. And so he was he was coming down the sidewalk, and uh, and I was just sitting in the grass in great pain, trying to catch my breath, and my feet my feet were just almost in the water and the, the water covered the sidewalk. So my feet were almost in the sidewalk. Uh, that's how close I was. And this gentleman came down the sidewalk and he, he walked right through the water that I had attempted to avoid. Listen, the water was about this deep and he walked right through it. And as he walked through it, he, you know, he walked right in front of me, uh, you know, as if, if this is the start of the sidewalk, the edge, my feet were just like this. As he walks right there, right in front of me, and never even looked at me. Like he didn't even he didn't even look my way to say, why is this fellow sitting in the grass next to the water, or, you know, or something? And my hat I, I had a I had a ball cap on, and my ball cap had come off when I fell, and it was floating in the water. And so he walks right past my hat that is floating in the water, and right past me, and he didn't like his eyes did not swerve to the left or right. You know, he was following the narrow path <laughs> and went straight ahead and absolutely ignored me. And, of course, it's possible that he didn't see me fall. You know, he, I mean, he had, did kind of have his head down anyway. So, like, he may never have seen me fall. That's a possibility. But I just found it amazing that, that there was no acknowledgement of my presence at all. And I was just inches from him as he walked by. And you'd think he would have looked at me at least to maybe say hello or something and then realized, oh, there's a problem here. But there, there wasn't a chance for that because he totally ignored me. Okay, I'll get back to that in just a moment. Listen to these passages. And I'm going to read several here. I put these together. I, I, there are 25 of these. I'm not going to read 25. But I put a bunch of these together. And they all kind of go in the same direction. Okay, And you're going to quickly pick it up. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Through him we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his namesake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident of the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. And I could go on. I've got all these passages here. I've got four pages of, of passages that I put together that all are just talking about the need for people to spread the good news about Jesus. And it's so clear to me when I consider Scripture and what the New Testament has to say about what we as Christians are called to do, that we're called to talk to other people about Jesus. This is something that God has laid not on, just on the hearts, but at the feet of the church. It's our responsibility. We're given this role to talk to our world about Jesus. And it's just so clear as you go throughout the whole New Testament that this is the case. Well, there are two problems that I want to talk about this morning with this. And, and the problems are reflected in what I said earlier about this fellow. Because it's fascinating to me that somebody could be as injured as I was. Like I had to kind of be wheezing or groaning or crying or something when he walked by. I wasn't bleeding. 
Well, I was on my hand a little bit, but I wasn't, you know, maybe he just wouldn't have even noticed. I don't know. But the fact is, is that at that point, I was one hurting individual and he totally ignored me. And there might be all kinds of reasons why that happened. Maybe he just didn't see me. Maybe he'd had his own pretty tough day and maybe he was caught up in what was going on in his life. I totally get that. That happens. I can see how he could have been totally turned inward at that moment. And the last thing that was on his mind was some guy sitting in the grass, as far as he knows, ready to mug him or something. I would think the hat would be some kind of giveaway. Come on. But I'm not bitter. <laughs> but, he, but the fact is he ignored me and it just it makes sense to me that we in our world today would not want to be those who ignore those others around us who so badly need the gospel. They need us. They need us not to ignore them. They need us to say something to them, a good word about who Jesus is. And for us to, in the process, help change their lives. Well, as I said, there's a couple of problems I think we need to overcome. The first one is, and this is so obvious to you, I know, we don't often enough share the gospel. And that's just a fact. If I was to say to all of you, so out there, you Christians, do you share the gospel often enough with those around you to help them understand who Jesus is so that their lives could be changed? And there's probably nobody in the room who would say, well, yeah, I do. Uh, you know, I do that too much. I'm always talking to people about Jesus. I, I've got to stop it. I'm just, I'm just on this too much. Most of you probably are not there. And you know what? <laughs> Look right back at me too. I'm not there either. We simply don't share the gospel enough with the people who are around us and we need to. Well, the question is why? Why don't we? Well, there's some reasons and you know them as well as I do. Laziness and being distracted is one. There are so many things in my life that distract me from sharing the gospel with people the way that I should. Uh, several months ago, we had a, a big problem with our phone bill. Like we kept getting billed for uh, a phone that wasn't working very well at the house. And I kept calling the phone company and saying, look, you keep billing us, you know, and we're not getting good service with our phones. We got to fix this. And after several phone calls, it actually went on for about eight months. And uh, finally, I, you know, I was... I was very controlled in my anger, of course, but I was, um, but I was ticked. <laughs> but I was ticked at the phone company, and I said, "Look, you know, this is ridiculous. You know, we're getting bad service here, and I'm having to pay for this." And finally, the guy said, "Is there anything that we can do to fix this for you?" And I was ready. <laughs> and I said, "Yes, there is." I said, "I want the hunting channel on my TV, and I want it for life for free." <laughs> and he said. I can do that. And I said, great. I don't care what my phone bill is. <laughs> so he, he gave me the hunting channel for free for life. So if any of you are ever thinking, man, I'd really like to watch the hunting channel, come on over, okay? You can watch it at my house for free. I don't care. Well, I, I'm glad, you know, that I have the hunting channel, but it can be a distraction. Like you can ask Robin, do I ever watch the hunting channel now that I have it? 
You know, you'd like to think, well, no, I don't really pay that much attention to it. I do pay attention to it. And these last few days while I was convalescing, you know, I'm looking at the TV and I, I'd read a bit and I'd watch TV a bit and I'd sleep a little bit and watch TV a little bit. And finally, I just got, I got kind of sick of the schedule. And I said to Rob, I said, I'm so tired just sitting here and watching TV. And, you know, this gets old. And so yesterday, praise the Lord, I'm, I'm glad this happened. But yesterday, I, I just thought, I'm just going to shut the TV off completely. And I read my Bible for like... I don't know, four hours, five hours or something like that. I read all the way through First Chronicles. You know, I just was reading my Bible a whole bunch and praying and spent the whole day kind of in Bible study and prayer. And it was a great day. But it's a perfect example of all the things that can distract us from more meaningful things. And the reading my Bible all day yesterday was really fruitful. There were things that I saw that I'd never seen before and I was learning all kinds of stuff. You know, and, and the whole time I'm thinking, man, if I watched the hunting channel less, read my Bible more, this would happen all the time. So I'm just like you, right? And so it was, it was just a really good experience. But there are so many things that distract us from doing what we really need to do. And laziness and being distracted keeps us so often from sharing the gospel with people who are dying. People who need Jesus. And we let things get in our way, like the hunting channel or whatever it is. And we end up not sharing the gospel with people who badly need it. Sometimes I know it's fear of relational tension. And you know what I, what I mean when I say that. The guy in the cubicle next to you, if you start bringing up religion, all of a sudden there's a problem. You know, you were going to lunch with him and everything was great and building this relationship and you're progressing. And then all of a sudden, up, oh, we're going to bring up religion. And maybe your relationship just isn't there yet. And so it creates tension. And we don't like that. We want to be friends with people, not enemies. We don't want things to be uncomfortable. We want them to be comfortable. Bring religion into it. Tell somebody they're lost. And all of a sudden, there's all kinds of uncomfortableness. I get that. So we tend to be afraid of that. Afraid of the relational tension that's there. Sometimes it's just fear of failure. Oh, I've tried this before. I've tried to share the gospel with people before and it just hasn't gone the way I wanted it to. People didn't become Christians or the relationship ended badly because I kept, I kept bringing this religion thing up or whatever. And, and so we, we've had some bad experiences with it and that scares us too. Sometimes it's fear of not knowing what to say, either about the gospel or its defense. And in the world today, there are lots of people who want to challenge where the gospel stands for and the truth of the gospel. And so we tend to Sometimes think, oh, I don't really know what to say. I don't have all the scriptures in hand to defend my faith. And, and so, you know, for, for that reason, we don't really want to share the gospel sometimes the way that we should. Well, that's interesting. It seems to me like there should be something that would cause us to overcome our fears and our laziness and our distraction when it comes to sharing the good news of Jesus with others. And I think it's possible. I think we can overcome those things with really just a couple of ideas or a couple of thoughts if we reflect on them that would have, I think, some kind of major impact. For example, do we really care about people? Do we? Do we really care about them? You have to wonder sometimes if we care about them as much as we say we do. There are stories of people who are on the Titanic where 
they saw mothers taking little babies and handing their babies to total strangers on lifeboats and saying, please take my baby. Because they knew they weren't getting on the lifeboat. And they loved their children so much that they would rather see their children being given away and put in a position where who knows what their future is going to be. But at least they would have some kind of future. And so they gladly gave their children up in a moment of crisis because the moment called for it. The circumstance was that bad that they knew they needed to give up their child in that circumstance. So if you're convinced that a loved one has a fatal disease or that they're doing something in their life that's going to kill them, would you not talk to them? Or would you be too lazy and distracted to talk to them? Would you be willing to risk the fact that they may not remain as close a friend to them if you talk to them about the problem? But you recognize that this problem needs to be addressed, and so you'll talk to them anyway. Would you not talk to them because you're afraid they may not listen? Maybe they will just turn a blind eye? Would you be so afraid that you wouldn't know the details or the right medical terminology that you decide to just keep quiet and not tell them about the fatal disease that they have or the road they're walking down? And of course, the answer is no, you wouldn't. Of course you would talk to them. You'd speak up. If you were convinced of the severity of their circumstances, you wouldn't hesitate to say it. What if your best friend was in a relationship with a known serial killer and you knew it and they didn't? What would you do? Would you be quiet? What if you're at your neighbor's house for supper and you smell natural gas and the house is full of it? Would you just leave them away? Leave and, and let them blow up after you leave? If you're, uh, if you're hunting with Darcy Pollock or Jack Mooney and you notice that Darcy just put the wrong ammunition into his gun, do you just say, well, live and learn and walk away? Of course not. And so if you truly believe that someone is lost without a relationship with Jesus Christ, what do you do? What are you going to do in that circumstance? It would seem to me if we truly care for somebody, we're going to do something about it. And if we're convinced of the severity of the circumstances, we're not going to be quiet. And so the gospel, I think, calls us to speak. Now, in light of that, let me read this passage. And I just want you to listen for what the Bible says about those who don't know Jesus. Listen to this. It says, as for you, and he's, he's actually writing to Christians, but he talks about what it was like for them before. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. 
Like, can it get any worse than that? Dead in your transgressions and sins, following the evil one, who is the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, like the rest, we are by nature objects of wrath. That's what the Bible says about those who don't know Jesus Christ. Now it goes on, fortunately, and says, but because of this great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming age we might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And the contrast is incredible between those who are lost and those who know Jesus, between those who are corrupted and subject to God's wrath and those who have incomparable riches and grace. And the only people that I know who have a chance of sharing this with someone, this great news, is us. Like we're the only ones who have an opportunity to share with others the good news about what Jesus has done, that they might live. And so we have to take that chance. We have to take that responsibility. Our communication to the world includes the notion that all things have changed. We need to tell everyone that things have changed with Jesus. It's not just that things have changed for individuals, although they have, but for the whole world. God is in Jesus fixing the course of the world. Many today want to talk about life after death and eternal life with God, and they want to substitute social justice for those things. But restorative justice is included even as we communicate to the world that sin has been dealt a death blow by Christ. The world needs to know that. And we're the ones who have the message. We need to tell them. Jesus is making all things new. He's the one who reveals the Father. He's the one who offers the Spirit and new life. He's the one who's done something for which all need to be made aware. And we're the ones who need to share it with Him. And we need to share it with them. Because they need it so badly. If we don't share the gospel, it's a problem. People are dying in their sins and not knowing Christ. And we don't often enough share the good news of Jesus. The second problem is simply this. We sometimes don't share it very effectively, even when we want to. And this is part of that fear thing. It scares us. I've shared the gospel with people before. It didn't work. God wants us, of course, to be effective in sharing the gospel. Now, I, I might say there's, there are attempts that people make that I think are not exactly what we need here when it comes to sharing the gospel. Sometimes people will say things to me like, just live the gospel and the world will come. Just live it out and the world will come. It's kind of the field of dreams model. Build it and they're going to come. Well, there's a sense in which I think that's true. But eventually... We have to use our voices 
and share the gospel with people by talking. And good news needs to be told, not just rejoice in. Sometimes people will say, we just need to proclaim the truth and they'll respond to the gospel. Just somehow get a few simple ideas into their hands through a tract or by handing someone a Bible or by showing them a flashy television commercial the way the Mormons do. And that'll convince people. Well, I suppose that's true in one sense because the gospel's powerful. But the bottom line is that people have also to be convinced through the message and so often that means relationship. And so to be effective here in communicating the gospel, I think there's a couple of things we need to note. The first thing is there needs to be need on the part of the hearer. There needs to be a need on part of the hearer. Now, the fact is, you don't always know what that is or when that's going to happen. And so we need to speak to people. But when there is need, when people recognize that they have a need for Jesus Christ, they're more likely to come. Now, a lot of times, all that means is saying to people, look, you're a sinner. You haven't lived well before God. He wants you to live well before him. And they can see the need and the difference between their own lives and what God wants them to be. And that's enough to bring them around. But in addition to need, there's also a call for trust here. And trust comes only a couple of ways. Either the message is so dominant and so powerful that no relationship is needed so that people just hear a a message that blows them away, like set free from sins. Or there needs to be relationships so that people will trust the messenger, even though they don't yet understand the message. But either way, there needs to be some trust. And that means that you are going to have to live well before the Lord also. Remember that we're not alone in this. Remember that we can live well the way God wants us to and that the Holy Spirit is there in the process of working with us when we communicate the gospel. And so we read in things like in Hebrews 4.12, The word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It separates the division between soul and spirit. We read things about how the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. And so we're not alone, and we have the chance to share the good news of Jesus and be effective with it. And I want to just implore you this morning to take opportunity to do this, to not let your fear prevent you from doing so. To be willing to share the good news of Jesus with people and give them a chance to respond. Pray, live well before them, build relationship, share the good news, and God is going to use the gospel to change our world if we're willing to put ourselves out there and speak for him. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the good news of Jesus that has changed our lives. But Father, there are are people around us everywhere, whether they're sitting in the grass or they're at work or at school or there are soccer coaches, um, they work in the grocery stores, they sell us cars, whatever they're doing, God. There are people everywhere around us who are dying because they don't have you. 
And Father, I pray that you would embolden us, take away our fears, strengthen us through the presence of your spirit that we might be changed in our hearts and make ourselves available to share the good news with other people. You are the source of life. Help us to bring that into the lives of others. It's through Christ we pray. Amen.